0: There was no bigger game today than Michigan versus Ohio State, and yet we got game of games during this rival week. Let's get into it. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, good folk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. No. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to talk about a dramatic come from behind victory for Alabama in the Iron Bowl. We got to talk about a walk-off field goal for Washington in the Apple Cup. And we absolutely have to get into a double overtime victory for Oklahoma State. And just what that means for the Big 12 race, but let's start at the top, the biggest game of this regular season, the biggest game of this year, that is Michigan versus Ohio State, number two versus number three. A lot of pomp and circumstance coming into this game, and for a good reason. This is just the third time in the history of the 106 years that they have played this game that both Ohio State and Michigan showed up 11 and oh, so big that we had our live tailgate with Chris Howard, Beanie Wells, who are absolutely going through it and what was a fascinating and fun addition to this rivalry. We already knew some of the stakes going into this one, but there is no bigger game on the schedule for Sharon Moore and no bigger game for him in his entire career as he said in this game. Told J.J. McCarthy in that offense, I'm going to be the most aggressive play caller that I have been in my entire time as the offensive coordinator at Michigan, and he kept his word. They went for it on fourth down three times. They got fourth down pickups three times, and those were the game, were, were the differences in the game. Those sorts of plays. JJ McCarthy absolutely playing gunslinger, throwing a pass in between two defenders to a Colston Loveland to a Roman Wilson. You got Roman Wilson talking about, "Hey, look, I saw them with their Louis V. I thought saw them with their thousand dollar fits, but I seen the film. You ain't that tough." And for Roman Wilson to come out there chirping a guy that doesn't usually do so, you got to know that this game meant so much to this Michigan football team who'd absolutely been going through it this year. I I need to just absolutely hammer that home. I'm so proud of this Michigan football team because they could have folded at any time with the sign-stealing scandal not having their head coach on the sideline for half their games understanding what they had to go through in the off season where they got a new offensive coordinator or I should say Sharon Moore took over the offensive coordinator position altogether. you didn't know what the defense was going to be it showed up in a big way all year long though they've been told they hadn't played anybody they went and beat Penn State on the road well Penn State ain't that good even though Penn State has won 10 games this was the game for which we all wanted to see what Michigan was made of and frankly so did the college football playoff selection committee who started out their rankings with Ohio State at number one. And even going into this game, had Ohio State at number two, Michigan at number three. Michigan shows up favored in this game. But the last time that Michigan showed up favored in this game, they got housed by Ohio State. That was some six years ago. And now we're getting to a real crunch time moment for Ryan Day and that Ohio State program. But it felt like they were going to come back. It felt like they were going to answer the bell. Like Michigan got, got off on the good foot, and I was really excited to see that because, well, Michigan does very well leading from the front, but what could this Ohio State team do? And it felt like they found their rhythm through the second and third quarters as Ryan D. was coming to find out, okay, Chip Trainham can help him running the football. Travion Henderson is getting a little bit more space. Marvin Harrison Jr. starting to make some things happen. He had five catches for 118 yards and a TD. But as much as I wanted to see that offense go, what I thought he was going to stick with, run the football. They had a great play. Their last play, drive for six points where Ryan Day found a rhythm calling offense plays for it, his offense. And well, we're talking about running the football. This is that simple. Can you hand the ball to Chip Traynum? Can you hand the ball to Travion Henderson? Can you let your offensive line go to work in these man-on-man schemes as opposed to these zone blocking schemes? And they were able to do that and get to the end zone. Then it felt like, hey, look, you get a stop on defense, you get the ball back, you go back to that. But that's not what they did, right? That's not what Ryan Day did. He ended up putting the ball back into the hands of Kyle McCord, who really showed his immaturity in as far as playing a game like this of this magnitude. People say it all the time. You come to Ohio State to play in games like this one. You come to Michigan to play in games like this one. But now we're getting to a spot that Ohio State fans haven't seen in the 21st century. And Michigan fans haven't seen in the 21st century. And this is the third consecutive win for Michigan over Ohio State, 27-24. But Importantly, the last time that Michigan won three consecutive against Ohio State, they won a national championship. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that I was doing a live tailgate with today, Chris Howard, he was on that team, was the leading rusher on that team, 938 yards on the ground. Of course, Charles Woodson going both ways in that game was the star of that team. But this Michigan team still has to answer that bell. They have to get past an Iowa team in the Big Ten championship game, and then they got to do something they've never done, in the history of Michigan football, and that's when a college football playoff semifinal, that feels like they're going to get that opportunity. But going into this game, I also wondered, would the loser of this game show enough to the college football playoff selection committee to perhaps be considered one of the four best teams in football by Sunday of next week? A little bit harder to do this year than it was last year, and we'll get into that, but a lot of that comes back to just how good Michigan has shown itself to be. We dunk on them for their non-conference schedule. We dunk on them for what is left of their Big Ten schedule, beating up on teams like Michigan State and Purdue in in years where they don't feel so good. Same thing with the Minnesota. I think they've shown me enough. I think they've shown me enough to be the number one team in the country once again with the best win of anybody in the country once again. But I also got to see a J.J. McCarthy that I thought you needed to see to not just beat Ohio State, but perhaps win that college football playoff semifinal The numbers aren't really there. It's not really that great a day for him, but I thought the plays that he did make were just the ones that Kyle McCord couldn't, and that comes down to, I think, experience in this game. J.J. has won this game as a starter in back-to-back years. This is Kyle's first opportunity to win this game as a starting quarterback, and he came up a little bit short. I feel for him. I feel for Marvin Harrison Jr. because it's dawning on me now that either one of those guys has won this game, and it also goes back to me for 2020 the first year in which they did not get to play the game because Michigan had to pull out due to COVID. They end that year two and four. We're talking about, is Jim Harbaugh going to be the guy in 2021? If they play that game, Ohio State probably wins it. Are we talking about Jim Harbaugh being the head coach at Michigan is one thing. But are we talking about Ryan Day being in the spot that he is in even now? We're we're talking about a Ryan Day who has not lost a game to a Big Ten team named, not named Michigan. And that's remarkable to me, that you can win 40 games and you can lose three, but those be the three that define your career at a place like Ohio State. I understand that Buckeye fans are upset about it, and it, I understand why I'm watching this game and I'm questioning the play calling. I'm questioning how are you going to get that team back into rhythm? And I'm questioning, can you ever get past this Michigan football team? But it was not that long ago that Michigan fans were asking the same thing. They chose to stick with Jim Harbaugh. They chose to do it his way. I will be interested to find out what Ohio State decides to do, ergo Ryan Day. Remember, it wasn't that long ago, Jim Harbaugh said some people think that they hit a triple when they really just ended up on third. Well, you're going to get to see if that comes to fruition for Ryan Day, who's absolutely going to have to win back the trust and the faith of an Ohio State team and an Ohio State fan base. That is very, very proud. Travion Henderson did have the kind of day that, well, he needed to have for them to win the game. But 19 carries, 60 yards, below what we had for expectations for him. Blake Corum seemed to get better as the game went on. Didn't rush for 100 yards, but absolutely hit when he had to hit. Even as I felt like you were telegraphing what you're going to do if you're Sharon Moore. If you got Blake Corum in there, you're probably running between the tackles. If you had Donovan Edwards in there, you're probably going to go outside the tackles. It didn't matter. And really, I think the most pivotal moment for Michigan in that game, was Sharon Moore dialing up? We're going to run the football after Zach Mentor goes down with a devastating injury. We get to see Blake Quorum get an explosive get in the end zone and throw up the six five. Another way in which this team rallies around itself. They love each other. We could say that the size dealing scandal is self-inflicted. We could say Michigan versus the world is also something that they came up with themselves. But when it comes time to win, when it comes time to beat good football teams, they've answered the call. So we have to start talking about Michigan as a factor to win the national championship and not just represent the big 10 in the college football playoff remarkable day for Michigan fans. And really Ohio state is up against it as they're having to question everything that they know, everything that they think they want to be and physicality. Once again, I thought that Ryan day was going to be able to answer this question coming in this game. Are you a physical football team? Are you a more physical football team than Michigan? And once again, people are questioning the toughness of an Ohio State Buckeye team, a team that's proud to run the ball, a team that's proud to play outstanding defense. They just didn't have it in this 30 to 24 loss to the team that I think is going to be ranked number one come Tuesday, but we'll have to wait and see on that. I thought really sealing the game personified what this game means, not just to Ohio State fans, but to Michigan fans. Kyle McCord threw an INT as he was getting sacked. He did not get enough on the ball to get it to Marvin Harrison Jr. Rod Moore, Picked it off to seal the game. Rod Moore, safety from Clayton, Ohio, did not receive an Ohio State offer, and he has been very loud about it. As a matter of fact, producer Tyler, he hails from the state of Ohio, and he's the first person to tell you, if you don't get an offer from Ohio State and you are a good Ohio high school football player, you seem to take it personally, and I empathize with that. I've seen it happen with guys from Texas year in and year out. If you don't get that offer from Texas – You tend to hold a grudge, and for good reason, right? You expect to be offered by the best football program in the land, the flagship university for college football. And when that doesn't happen, you take every opportunity you can to remind them what they are missing out on. So kudos to Rod Moore who came up with that game-sealing interception. We'll see what happens with the Buckeyes down the road, but a lot is going to have to go their way in the next, well, overnight and in the next week for them to get an opportunity to play in the college football playoff, it's just not as cut and dry as it was last year when Utah did them the solid of handing USC a second loss, made it kind of easy for the college football playoff selection committee to look around and say, OK, who is one of the four best teams? And they ended up getting there, not even with a division title, not even playing the Big Ten championship game. They just seem to be that good. Again, I expect Michigan to jump to number one in the college football playoff rankings, but we'll see. Right. Georgia might. Bump Georgia Tech by 60, and we'll have to talk about that Sunday when we do our Rankings Reaction Show and get you set up for the College Football Playoff Selection Committee's final Tuesday ranking ahead of Championship Saturday. Now that we know the Big Ten will feature Michigan and Iowa for a second time in three years, I'm really interested to see what happens in the SEC title game, which has been set for a couple of weeks now, and what was going to happen with both Alabama and Georgia leading up to that game. Well, we got an answer. Number eight, Alabama stuns Auburn 27 to 24. This game was dramatic from the word go. Auburn muffs a punt, puts Alabama in great field position. You can't advance a muff punt. They pick up the ball. They do something with it. Jalen Milrow, my goodness, what a game that guy had, and it it was up and down. It was truly a Jalen Nero experience where you're just on the train, man. That dude was just as likely to take a bad sack as to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage as to get the ball snapped over his head and then step back on a fourth and goal from the Auburn 31-yard line to be just toe-tapping his feet and finding Isaiah Bond in the back of the end zone for what ended up being the game-winning touchdown in this game. Dramatic from start to finish and really back and forth in a way that I did not expect because as much as the iron bowl goes into, well, it's a rivalry game. You got to throw all that stuff out. I hate that as an explanation because I'm looking at an Auburn team that got really showed out, shown up by New Mexico state last week, putting money in the bag in a loss, 31 to 10 right there at Jordan air where Alabama needed to come from behind as the number eight team in the country to beat. Auburn. It's also an Auburn team that had Georgia on the ropes September 30th. Perhaps it's just that Auburn only gets up for the teams that are expected to beat them and not for the ones that they are expected to beat. But for Alabama, you not only need to win this game because it's a rivalry game because this is, this is Ohio State, Michigan in the south, right? Or I might even say Ohio State, Michigan is Auburn, Alabama, north of the Mason-Dixon line. It's also any chance you had of making the college football playoff rested on this game as well. Because if you lose this game to Auburn, no two-loss team is getting into the college football playoff with a conference championship or not. You need to go in there with the one loss and possibly be the team to knock off Georgia, and that would mean you're the first team to beat Georgia in three years, and that would do more than enough to get you into the college football playoff, if not vault you into the number one spot going into the college football playoff. Milro went 16-24 for 259, 107 rush yards on the ground, two TDs. I think it's Heisman Trophy aspirations are still intact as well these numbers while not as comparable to what my goodness we we've seen Jaden Daniels do some things here right we'll talk about that a little bit later on but what Jalen Milrow has been able to do over the last six seven eight games for Alabama I don't think you can ignore I'm also looking at Tommy Reese who might end up in that conversation for the Broyles Award along with Will Stein at Oregon if not for what Sharon Moore had done at Michigan biggest game of his life acting head coach for the last three games. I think he's pretty much sewn that thing up. He's certainly got my vote. And for Nick Saban, this was huge. I'm reminded once again that Miss Terry said a couple weeks ago it's going to be tough to beat Auburn. And at the time, Alabama still got to get past Kentucky. Alabama still got to get past Chattanooga. Why are you thinking about Auburn? Because you're always thinking about Auburn. Auburn was certainly thinking about Alabama and had to feel really great going into the final three minutes of that game until it all came apart right in front of their eyes and they won and, excuse me, they lost in only a fashion that Auburn football could lose in, or I'm sure Auburn fans feel that way, but they're going bowling. They came back. They made a fight. I think you can go forward thinking, okay, we can be a good football team in 2024 right there on the cusp with the SEC West division champs and possibly the SEC champs. We'll see if Alabama has what it takes to knock off Georgia. But if the Georgia football team we've seen for the last three weeks shows up in the SEC title game in Atlanta, I don't know, man. What we saw from Alabama is not going to be good enough to knock off that team. They just keep coming and coming. On the West Coast, we knew that Washington was going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. We were only trying to figure out who they were going to play. That said, the Apple Cup, like the Iron Bowl, does its own weird things. Number four, Washington defeated Washington State. 24-21, just moments before we started the show, honestly. Made a game-winning field goal walk-off fashion in what was a back-and-forth game. I was astounded to see how Washington State's defense was holding up against Washington. I knew that Cam Ward in that offense, if they got it on and popping, got off to a good rhythm, would have something to show, and they certainly did. Cam Ward went 32 of 48 for 317 yards through the air, three TDs and two interceptions, but man. What did you need to see from Washington except grit and grind? There was a great fourth down play call where Kalen DeBoer actually threw a hat tip to his quarterback. Now, they ran a really fun play that ends up being a reverse to your best play in Romo Doonsy to get that first down, but Kalen DeBoer said the postgame to Allison Williams, hey, there are a couple things that Mike could do off of that. And he decided to go with a little gadgetry and get the ball into the hands of a guy that might actually end up winning the Bolitnikoff Award in one Rome O'Doons. He had seven catches for 120 yards and two TDs. And what was a tight game? It was 20, 20, uh, 21 to 21 for far too long if you're a Washington fan. Washington ends up getting to 12 and 0 for only the second time, last time they got to 12 and 0. They won a national championship. So we got two teams already heading into the conference championship weekend in Washington and Michigan, who are on a trajectory to win the national championship like they had been in years past. We're hawking it back to the 20th century. We're hawking it back to the early 90s if you're Washington, the late 90s if you're Michigan. I don't know if this Washington team that we saw against Washington State is good enough to beat the Oregon team we've seen in the last four years, or four years, last four weeks, but they certainly continue to make themselves heard. And by being 12-0, and 0, you keep yourself in the conversation to be a college football playoff team, because all you got to do is win, baby. That's all you have to do. You go to the Pac-12 championship, you win in Vegas, and you let them sort you out as to where you're going to be ranked. Getting back to the college football playoff would be tremendous for Washington. As the last time they were there, Jake Browning was playing quarterback, and he's just got done saying, I felt like I spent an eternity on the practice squad before getting a start with the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL. And now you're talking about Michael Penix Jr., who's come back from ACL tears to go to Washington to help build that program back with Kalen DeBoer He has created this great kinship with Romo Doonesy where both of those guys can end up winning a whole bunch of postseason awards. You've seen a run game develop out of nowhere, honestly, in Dylan Johnson. If you're a Washington fan, this is great. Yes, you had a heart attack in the Apple Cup, but when don't you have a heart attack in the Apple Cup? And let's not forget, you lost that game last year. This is a game that Washington State shows up expecting to win, even as a four-win team in 2023. I'm also really proud of the Cougs and how they've shown some fight. Not just the season, but with all going on around them, what conference you're going to play in? Are you going to be in a conference next year? Still showing up to play great football. And Cam Ward, I think, unsung hero down there in the Palouse. Really great win for Washington, though, in Seattle. They play what I think is the toughest schedule of anybody inside of that top five, that top six. They keep running in the teams that got numbers next to their names, but it didn't turn out that that's the thing. It's just who are they going to play that week because. They are going to be in a dogfight, and they have been each and every week, basically since they got their really huge win against Oregon and Seattle. Can you double them up? Can you beat Oregon a second time in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday night? Because that game is going to have so much to say about how we view who gets into the college football playoff and just where they are seated, which we're going to get to. But I want to jump back to the middle of the country once again to try to sort this thing out as we finally get to see who's going to play in the Big 12 championship game against texas number 20 oklahoma state knocks off brigham young university 40 to 34 at home and double overtime at one point we're talking about an oklahoma state team that's down 24 to 6 to byu and we're all wondering how could this happen all you got to do is win and get in if you are oklahoma state that's it but even then you need to come back three scores to beat a brigham young team that has looked anything but beatable in the last couple of weeks they just Came up a little bit short against Oklahoma the week before. They came up a little bit short against Oklahoma State today. But I got to tip my hat to Mike Gunny for giving the ball to his best player in crunch time. That's Ollie Gordon. Had he been on a better football team, just like Jaden Daniels, we're talking about that guy as a Heisman Trophy finalist. And we still might be, frankly, because what he has meant to the Oklahoma State team cannot be overstated. It's a guy that got just 19 touches through the first three games of the season, as Mike Gundy was still trying to figure out who the starting clear quarterback should be. But as soon as he settled on Alan Bowman, they got the ball to Ali Gordon and they got it to him in a huge way. He had another huge game in this one, had the game winning TD. They went back to him over and over again as the rain got everywhere on everybody. It's cold. It's wet. I didn't expect that uh, Oklahoma State would be able to put up with BYU just running on them like this. And I certainly didn't expect that Oklahoma State would absolutely have what it takes to just knock people off the ball in the second half of that game, but that's what they did. Offensive line showed up in a big way. Ali Gordon making space where there was none on his touchdown run in double overtime. Felt like he was dead to rights. He found a way to get back toward the middle of the field and into the end zone. Really uh, grateful to get to see that game because, I man, we had all the four TVs going, and we're watching the Iron Bowl. We're watching the Apple Cup. We're watching Oklahoma State BYU, and as an Oklahoma fan, I'm biting my nails here because If BYU came up with the goods, Oklahoma's getting into the Big 12 championship, but Oklahoma State, deservingly so, is going to play in the Big 12 championship game against Texas. Perhaps not who you wanted to play. If you are Texas, you wanted the opportunity to avenge your only loss, like like Oregon will, against Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. But if you beat Oklahoma State by 50, the way you beat Texas Tech by 50, I don't think you're gonna have to worry about much. However, that said, Florida State comes as an undefeated Power 5 champ or Washington comes up as an undefeated Power 5 champ. You might be on the outside looking in on that game. Again, Mike Gundy did a hell of a coaching job this year. I got to say it. It's remarkable what they were able to do in the second half. They come back from a 45-3 drubbing again in the rain in Orlando they show they got a little backbone to them, and they take care of business to give them an opportunity to win a Big 12 championship. Second time that they're going to play in a Big 12 title game in three years, and I'm sure that Brett Yormark and the Big 12 folks left over with like nothing more than to watch Oklahoma State hand Texas an L on its way out to the SEC. Meanwhile, I'm sure Texas would love to rub the Big 12's face in it with another win, as Brett Yormark was at. Texas versus Texas Tech, and they're showing SEC scores during the game at DKR, just continuing to troll the Big 12 commissioner. I love the pettiness of college football. It's one of my favorite things. We take it so personally. It means so much to us to win these games. We take it hard, so hard when we lose this game. And that is why I think this sport is the best in the world. Perfect sport, college football. Speaking of Texas crushing Texas Tech 57 to seven, Texas ran for 302 yards on the ground without Jonathan Brooks at tailback. CJ Baxter doing a lot of that. That game was touch and go here and there. We saw some guys laid out for far too long in it, but Texas did what we expected Texas to do. Texas like Oregon feels like a football team that is better than 11 one if we can believe it. Both of those teams feel like the kind that should be undefeated going into their, co- their respective conference championship games. Of course, Texas takes that L to Oklahoma on a neutral site. Dramatic come from behind victory for Oklahoma. And of course, I don't think that Oregon lost the game to Washington. I think that Dan Lanning lost the game to Washington. They're going to get an opportunity to show that they should be in the college football playoff course. Oregon, I think, is in a little bit better of a position as Washington's undefeated. Texas is going to have to do a little bit more. But if you are a Texas fan, this is what you have been waiting on. You have not played in a Big 12 title game since 2018. You've tried to wait for Steve Sarkisian to figure out what it is that he needs to get the players in there that he wants. You're great on the offensive line. You're better on uh, defensively. Jalen Ford running around, making noise. Anthony Hill running around, making noise. You're so deep at tailback that you can lose an 1,100-yard rusher like Jonathan Brooks and respond with CJ Baxter, with Keelan Robinson, with Jaden Blue, with Savian Red. You just got dudes, and when you don't got those dudes, you got Xavier Worthy out there. You got Jatavion Sanders. You got Jordan Whittington. I think, Texas has what it takes to not just win the Big 12 championship, but make some noise in a college football playoff if they earn their first selection in school history. Don't know if that team's good enough to beat Michigan or Georgia, but they certainly deserve an opportunity and they deserve a shot should they win a Big 12 championship if it goes their way. Another team, again, playing not just for a conference championship, but playing for a spot in a college football playoff. Number six, Oregon, blowing out number 16, Oregon State, 31-7. to Bo Nix, truly efficient, been outstanding, 33 of 43, 367, two TDs, no INTs in that game. Tez Johnson, his little brother had 11 catches, 137 yards. Troy Franklin, nine catches, 128 yards and a TD. What I'm saying here is Bo Nix might actually backdoor into the Heisman. I say backdoor because it feels like if Carson Begg is great against Alabama, it's going to be tough, right? It like, if what if Michael Penix Jr. is great against Oregon, it's going to be tough. But when you look at what Bo Nix has done, particularly in the last six games, it's hard to ignore the efficiency with which he is operating, the way in which that offense is moving a pace, the way that Will Stein is calling it. I think that guy has to be the front runner to win the Heisman Trophy going into this weekend based on what he did against Oregon State. Jalen Milroy, I still think, got an opportunity there, but he got to be George, and that's a tall ask. Michael Penix Jr. has not been the guy that we've seen the first half of the season, right? He is not thrown for 350 a game. He's not thrown for 60 TDs in a game. Bo Nix has continued to be scarily efficient. My one thing about Oregon is they haven't played a top 10, top 25, scoring defense all year. They're not going to play one against Washington. That's the team that absolutely gives you the points on the back end. But that might not be what you're looking at if you're a Heisman voter. You might just be looking at that guy playing quarterback and just how surgical he has been with the football how great they are been running the football. And if he's throwing the ball to Troy Franklin, Troy Franklin's usually coming down with it, which reminds me that we got, I think, three guys that are legitimate candidates to win the Bolitnikoff Award, one being Marvin Harrison Jr., another being Romo Dunzi, and Troy Franklin himself. It's going to be difficult to see who uh, wins up on the first team, first team All-American. I know that Marvin Harrison Jr. was unanimous All-American in 2022, but... Both Troy Franklin and Romo Dunzi have been playing like first-team All-Americans, and I want to see one of those guys take ownership of that in the Pac-12 title game. It ought to be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. And for Oregon State, where do you go from here? Following the end of the game, we learned that Jonathan Smith is going to become the new head coach at Michigan State. We'll talk about that a little bit more on our Sunday Rankings Reaction Show, but I wonder— How his players found out, when his players found out, did that affect them in that game that was in Austin, was in Eugene, where it is loud, it is tough to win. It's a game that, frankly, Oregon State won last year, and we were not wrong to think that they could win it against Oregon this year, but Oregon was too big, too fast on both sides of the ball. Really, I thought the play was summed up well when Mateo Uyunglele sacked his big brother DJ Uyunglele in the second half. Really submitting, okay, Oregon is the team to beat. We think going into this Pac-12 championship game, even if Washington won. And if Washington fans are being honest about it, I think even they know Oregon has played like the better football team since Washington beat them. But I, like them, going, hey, look at the scoreboard. Our guys found a way to win, and that is what Washington has done each and every step of the way. They have found a way to win. Now, where do you go if you are Oregon State? Who's gonna be the next head coach there? These are all questions that we're asking we're going to get answers very soon but right now let's let's look to oregon let's look to washington let's see which one of those teams comes out and if they can get into a college football playoff in this the pac-12's last year as a full functioning power five member going to be dramatic over there number 13 oklahoma Beat Texas Christian 69-45 for in its last regular season game as a Big 12 member. Dylan Gabriel was great 24-38, 400 pass TD, 400 yards, four pass TDs, and then Drake Stoops went out on a high note 12 catches, 125 yards, and a TD. Oklahoma going 10 and two this season after going six and seven last season. Remarkable turnaround for my Oklahoma Sooners and Brent Venables. I'm so proud of the performance that they gave, specifically after the loss to. Kansas and Oklahoma State, they showed they had some backbone. They showed they had some wherewithal. It would have been very easy for that football team to fold, not thinking they got a shot to play in the Big 12 championship. You lose two games in conference play, it's going to be difficult to get into that thing. But they'll get a nice bowl bid. They're going to have an opportunity to win 11 games, and that's the standard at Oklahoma. You got to win 10 games or more. Headed to the SEC where the competition is going to be fiercer. It's going to be a little bit thicker. But if Ole Miss can win 10 games, and Missouri, can win 10 games. Oklahoma ought to be able to win 10 games in the SEC come 2024. Again, hats off to that staff. Hats off to those players. Dylan Gabriel went into the top seven of a career passing yard leaders in all of the NCAA, joining Oklahoma Sooners Landry Jones and Baker Mayfield. Also, Bo Nix is probably going to get into that range here if he plays well against Washington. And in the bowl game, he has an opportunity to break into the top 10. A couple of guys that have been playing football for a long time that I'm going to be sad to see finish their careers in this sport as they go on to the NFL. And then on the way out, we had a stunner. Kentucky upset number 10, Louisville 38 231 in a heated rivalry game. Turns out this is Kentucky's fifth straight win against the louisville cardinals and this year louisville had an opportunity to, to believe or at least they should have believed they could beat the wildcats this year they had proven themselves to be a better football team in wins and losses they had the great win against notre dame at home but kentucky's just got louisville's number ray davis had to go ahead score a 37 yard touchdown run with 102 remaining i believe kentucky trailed uh, 24-14 at one point in the second half of this game. Davis's third score capped a wild second half for the Wildcats. The two teams combined 42 second half points and alternated touchdowns, which, you know, I'm not sure how Mark Stoops felt about that, but I'm sure Jeff Brom was thinking that's the kind of football game that his Cardinals could win. It was not so today, but that kind of a win for Mark Stoops against that top 10 opponent really has people looking at you going, hmm, If you could do that at Kentucky, where they go seven and five, what happens if we give you just a little bit more money and we give you just a little better, well, the more better, uh, more better, we give you better tools to go and recruit with? Perhaps they could offer you that at a place like Texas A&M. We're going to talk about Texas A&M probably way too much because that job is wild and they are willing to spend money to go get who they want. But it really is about what kind of identity do you want to put on the program? And are you ready to turn over the keys to a guy like Mark Stoops, who has won at a tough place to win? Kentucky's a tough place to win. In an SEC conference, that's always tough. I think seven and seven and five Kentucky. Okay, yeah, they're happy with that. They're going to take that. You do seven and five at AM, that's different. And it's an AM program that frankly, ain't been any good. Like, we're talking about an AM program that hasn't won a conference championship since 1998, who had a Heisman winner in 2012, but still couldn't win a conference championship, had the SEC Coach of the Year, couldn't win a conference championship, hired a national title-winning coach in Jimbo Fisher, couldn't win a conference championship, let alone represent in the SEC title game. It's a tough job. I'm not sure that Mark Stoops is the guy to do it, but I would not be shocked if the Aggies make a run at him. And we'll see, right? Because the Aggies... Reporting to Fox's Bruce Feldman might even be interested in Orion Day, given what transpired early today with the loss to Michigan. So they're going to have suitors. They're going to absolutely tap people they want. They've even talked about Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions. I leave it to the Aggies to make something happen on that, because, man, if there's enough money on the line, a coach will think twice about it and probably give you his ear if you're going to give him an opportunity to win football games. And I think Texas A&M, when they decide they want to be more than to be an A&M, They want to decide they want to win more than they want to be A&M. That's going to be a really tough program to beat. Not unlike a Georgia, not unlike an Alabama. All right, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of the number one college football show. We will be back Sunday to talk about the AP's top 25 rankings and my own top 25 rankings that will go live at foxsports.com on the Fox Sports app. A little bit later this evening. Our number one college football show leads the screen are Jack Coakley and Torrin Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistants Kiara Santana and Kyla Morris put the special in our special teams. Social producer J.V. Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Alex Hobbs is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline and the play snaps on my clap. We will see y'all on Sunday. Until then, stay low. Keep those feet driving. Deus.